Right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on this wonderful Independence Weekend Sunday morning. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to have an excellent time today. We are, of course, number one, celebrating Jesus because he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Can we get an amen today? And we're also celebrating the United States of America, and we are not ashamed to do that. 
I've been all over the world. I've been to Russia. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to a lot of places. And I can tell you this much. I am grateful for this nation that we live in that was founded upon uh, godly principles, upon the word of God and Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we're going to have a, a really good time together today celebrating that. And we just got a lot to be thankful for. So praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. And I'm going to ask Mrs. Summer Crank to come on up for us today. Amen. And she is going to, uh, this lady can sing and she loves Jesus and she loves America. So I was like, Hey, I know exactly what to do. We're going to have her open up this morning and lead us in our national anthem. And so we've got the flag up here. Let's do this the right way. Amen. Hand over heart and let's, uh, let's do this. Oh, say, can you see? What so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars throughout perilous fight all the Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, it is a it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. You can remain standing. We're going to do our uh, confession over the United States. And so I need another wonderful patriot, Mr. Nicholas Alva. Come on up, brother. And he's going to lead us. Amen. Now, we need somebody that uh, loves America just a little bit more. So I don't. <laughs> So he's going to do our confession over the United States, but I want to encourage you that as we've been speaking words of faith over our nation, we have seen some really good things happen these last few weeks. And I give Jesus the glory for that. Amen. We're seeing uh, the doorway opening for prayer to be back in schools, which is huge. If you don't think that's good, then I don't know what's wrong with you. And we're seeing the overturning of a federal mandate on abortion. And so we thank Jesus for that. These are all really good things for the Christian. Amen. All right, brother, you go ahead and you just lead us in a confession for America. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm excited. So is this close enough? 
Here we go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment for you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness from Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media, every home, church, school, every town, city, state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. America. Praise God. All right. Well, what we're going to do now is what we always do. We're going to take a few minutes to go around and meet and greet somebody, give some high fives, and hey, give some hugs, all right? Somebody needs a hug today, and if they look like they don't need one, that probably means they really need one, all right? Anyway, let's go, and let's uh, make sure everybody gets a little love today.
right, praise God. You may be seated today. We, again, man, I can tell we're going to have a good one. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get into our announcements here. Pastor Katie's got lots of good information for you. But also I have to acknowledge that my big brother is visiting from Indiana. So come on. He, want, he wanted to give a speech today, so I said no, we don't have time for that. Uh, but my sister-in-law and my, uh, my niece and nephew, so uh, we love them. Make them feel welcome, all right? Praise God. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our announcements. I think that was the shortest introduction you've ever had. Yeah, so congratulations on that. We like to embarrass family, you know. Thank you, Nick, for showing Dad how we behave when he's out of town. Pastor and Miss P are still in Indiana. They love you. And um, we'll make sure that they correct us publicly for Nick spinning Pastor Dave around. It's good. It's just how we made sure to put that on the internet. Praise Jesus. Anyway, so while we're in that same vein of ridiculousness, I have to tell you a very short story, okay? So for a week or two, I've been announcing to you that we're going to send our young adults down to the Rock Church in San Bernardino. And that they're going to go to this young adult singles night kind of thing. And I have made jokes about that if you're single and you're qualifying for AARP that you can't go. Okay, so listen though. Here's what happened. They went. And turns out that there's young adults in one room. And there's a singles night in another room. The singles night was actually for if you did qualify for AARP. That is actually the room they walked into and what they registered for. Yeah, you're welcome. So please know that if you would ever like on a Friday night uh, to go meet some single AARP members, we got you covered. Just let me know. Okay? <laughs> Young adults, go to the right room next time. Okay? Okay, uh, young adults, we will have young adults here on the third weekend of the month, okay? Praise the Lord. The July scripture reading, on a more positive note, is available, and Pastor did commentary for you as well. So there is a devotional with it again, and I'm loving though. Uh, there is printed copies back there as well. Miss P did it from Indiana, so there you go. Um, the youth trip is coming. Listen, friends. I'm very excited about it. However, if you don't register by Wednesday, I'm not taking you, okay? So you have to register. Yes, you registered the first time to reserve your spot so that I wouldn't go over students, which I did anyway because I love you. I need you to register and pay and sign the whole, you're not going to sue us when your kid jumps into the pool kind of thing. So if you could please go online and do that, I would appreciate that. And if you do not have that information because your student lost it on Wednesday, please check, text the church number or my phone number and I will help you. Okay? Register by Wednesday. Membership class is coming. Usher? Are, are you my running usher? Robert? Where's Robert? There's Robert. Uh, membership class is coming on Sunday the 17th, 4 to 7 p.m. It is quality time with Pastor Dave, and you can ask any churchy question you have ever had, and there'll be food. And if you're wanting to get more connected with the church, that is how you do that. Or if you're interested in serving, 
that's how you do that. There is a sign-up sheet on the info booth for a few things. Number one, janitorial, if you are interested in cleaning the church because you love God's house and you want his house to be clean and you care about that, I am so grateful for you, and sign up in the back. And also, there is a sign-up sheet for the men's fishing trip. Last-minute awesomeness. So Monday, July 25th, there's a men's fishing trip coming. And it's just pure fishing. They're not going to do the whole boat and give you Dramamine and all that kind of thing yet. We're just seeing how many of you are serious about fishing. So Monday the 25th, sign up in the back. Um, there's no cost to fish on the pier, but it is $20 to rent poles and whatever license you need. Everyone's leaving at 4 a.m.? Where's Tim? Okay. The serious dudes are leaving at 4 a.m., and some of you who are less serious, there's fishing until 11 a.m. Oh, well, okay, so there's real fishing from 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. and then 11 to 4? Anyway, read the sign-up sheet and talk to Tim. Tim, wave at everyone. Okay, yes, he has a beard and he's big. He's not actually scary. He's wonderful. Okay, so sign up at the info booth. Make sure you register for the youth trip. And a couple of birthdays are coming. Just a heads up, pastor's birthday is July 17th. Pastor dad's birthday is July 17th. And Pastor Dave's is the 24th, just so you know that. Shh, kid. My kids are all in here, so just come back to church if it's your first time visiting with us and you're looking at this front row. Don't judge us by the front row, okay? Come back next week. Amen. I've got some weird family, but that's all right. Praise God. Uh, if you are with us today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a really long time, we have a welcome packet that we want to give to you, and uh, we got a gift for you, a gift card to a local coffee shop and everything. So if you could raise your hand real quick, we want to give you a welcome packet and welcome you to High Desert Word Center, all right? Praise God. Well, it looks like you already know and love us, so thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. All right. Who knows what time it is now? It's happy time because God loves a cheerful giver, and that means it's time for our tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get you one. Amen. Hey, uh, Cletus, why are there no knock-knock jokes about America? Because freedom rings. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Hallelujah. Hey, there's more to come. You, you pick the, uh, maybe the right Sunday or the wrong Sunday to be here. We're going to open up our Bibles to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles chapter 29. Amen. And we're in the NLT here. First Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to, there's a great story right here, but we're just going to be looking at verse 9. And if you're, if you're reading First Chronicles here towards the end, King David begins the process of collecting offerings to build the temple. And now he knows that he's not going to get to complete it. His son Solomon will be the one to complete the temple and dedicate it to the Lord. But David gets the ball rolling in First Chronicles 29. And, they, and it's incredible. They take up this offering from the people of Israel. And it tells us that they collected 188 tons of gold that day. And I'm like, that is a lot of gold. I mean, that is, that's a tremendous, I don't even know how to do the math on that, how much that would be worth. But they're all thrilled to be giving in this offering and building the temple, building God's house. And so what I'm going to do, though, is just look at First Chronicles 29 and verse 9 at the end of this story because we know, according to, uh, to a second 
Corinthians that God loves a cheerful giver. And I see this all the way back in the Old Testament. First Chronicles 29 verse 9, it says, The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. Amen. And if you read the next several verses, David just breaks into song, singing and dancing about how excited he is to be giving to the Lord. And so I encourage us that all the way back there in the Old Testament, you go all the way to the New Testament. In First and Second Corinthians, it tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so I encourage us that as we bring our tithes and our offerings up today, let's do it with the joy of the Lord as our strength. We are blessed to be able to give. And I know this much that if God hadn't blessed me and healed me and saved me, I wouldn't be able to, to have anything at all to give. And so he gets all the glory as we are cheerful givers. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. Amen. You know, this country, you know, we celebrate our, our independence came in uh, 1776, and I was just talking about King David dancing, and so I looked it up, and you know what the most popular dance was in 1776? It was the independent dance. Come on, somebody. Yeah, come on. Hey, I'll do more if you don't laugh, all right? Give me a courtesy laugh, somebody. All right, let's stand up together today. Let's do this. And I'm going to have my sister-in-law, Melissa, come on up, and uh, yeah. I bribed her into doing the financial faith confession today because I just wanted to share the love. And so, and it's on the screen there, but I also gave her a printed copy. So, hey, whatever you're comfortable with. I've clearly never stood up here before to see that fancy thing. All right. Uh, ready? Are you ready? I was born ready. One, two, three. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive. Jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and incomes, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord together today, so feel free to join us at the altar after you drop off your offerings. Let's sing together. Arise, my soul, and remember this. He took my sin, and he buried it. No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. Oh. 
Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light.
Hallelujah. We know that he first loved us. Amen. And we thank God for that because it certainly was not because we deserved it. Amen. He is good to us. And I was going to read a few verses here that correspond with uh, the worship that we're singing today. Right here out of Romans chapter 8. And uh, perhaps you're familiar with this, but Romans 8 verse 35, the Apostle Paul asks, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And hey, man, maybe you've been through some of these things, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you anymore. Let's keep reading. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. Amen. And your King James right there would say that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so if you're facing something today, if you're going through something, you got to know this, number one, that it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love you anymore or that you're separated from his love. If we will hang in there and fight the good fight of faith, we know this much, that we are more than conquerors. Overwhelming victory is ours, and not because we have it all together, but because Jesus has it all together. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Hallelujah. God is good. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats today. Praise God. We're going to have a good time. Uh, Getting into the word here, excellent, excellent time of worship. And at the end of the service, we'll be uh, receiving communion together. It's our first Sunday of the month, and so uh, we're going to close things out today uh, with communion at the end. Uh, we're going to get into God's word right now, though. If you were here uh, last week, you saw that we are starting a Sunday morning series called Agape. And, you know, if you're familiar with Bible terms, you probably know very well what that means. Uh, but if not, what we're talking about is the agape love of God. And as we, just a little bit of review really quick, we saw that uh, really in Bible times in the Greek language, there were four main words that they used for love. And each word would kind of uh, describe what you were talking about. So if you're going to say, you know, hey, I love uh, I love burritos. I love, you know, popsicles. Well, that's a different word than what, than, you know, I love my wife. That's a, you know, that's a whole different word. And so in our English language, sometimes uh, we don't, you know, have enough descriptive words, but the Greeks did. And so what I'm getting to is the word agape is really the God definition, God kind of love that we see in scripture. You could get your, you know, your Bible concordance out if you're like me and just look through the whole New Testament at so many of the places where Jesus or Paul or Peter talked about love. And it's this word agape. And really what it means is this unconditional, no strings attached love. I will love you even if you don't love me. That's okay. I still love you anyway. And this is the kind of love that God shows to us. And in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And I mean, that's a 
pretty big thing to, to think about right there. I am supposed to love other people, especially other Christians, the same way that Jesus loved me. Well, how did Jesus love me? Well, he doesn't hold my mistakes over my head, so I guess I can't do that to other people now. Uh, he forgives me even when I haven't earned it and don't deserve it, so I guess I need to love other people that way now. There's no strings attached. I don't love you because of what you can do for me or because, you know, I need a favor from you or because you're rich and powerful. I simply love you because God created you and you were made in his image and Jesus told me to love you and that's all the reason I need right there. That's all I need. No strings attached. And so uh, this week we're going to look at something else that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. All right, so you can start making your way there. Amen. Who's excited for the word? Matthew 22. And uh, really, I think this is a good weekend to look at these verses because our United States were built off of this heart and this attitude. And it's this, that you've got to love God and you've got to love people. Now, if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. If you didn't get one on the way in, Frank and Robert are right here on the spot, ready to pass these things out. Yeah. So Matthew. <laughs> yeah, man, come on. Two good veterans. All right. These guys served in the Army for a lot of years, both of them. They're both retired veterans. So isn't that awesome that they're served, they served the country. Now they serve Jesus every week. Amen. Matthew 22. And we're going to look here at verses 36 through 40. Now, uh, Jesus was everywhere he went, man. He had people just trying to set him up and, and bait him into things where they could, where they could use it against him. And what we have here is somebody's like, hey, Jesus, hey, hey, tell me, what is the most important commandment? And here's what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew 22 and verse 36, someone asked, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And so I don't know what they were expecting him to say if they were expecting him to say, well, they're all the same. They're all equal. But no, Jesus does say, no, there is one that's the greatest. And the greatest commandment is that you love God. And you don't just say you love him. You love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And as the New Old Testament says, all your strength. And then look as it goes on, verse 39, a second, whoa, is what? Equally important that you love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so as a New Testament, New Covenant Christian, I've really got two commandments to follow. I've got to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then I've got to love my neighbor as myself. And if I will focus on those two, you, under, you understand that the Old Testament law had more than 10 commandments. There were 614 that you had to live by. And if you broke even one, you were guilty of breaking all of them. So I hear people talk about, man, wouldn't it be great to, you know, I'm going to obey the old covenant law. Like, well, good for you, man. But you better know what you're getting yourself into because there's 614 commandments you've got to live by. And if you break even one of them, you've broken all of them. And so that's a heavy, I think, burden to live with. But what we have here, Jesus 
says, no, the entire law and everything the prophets taught can be summed up into these two things. They all hinge on these, love God and love people, because if I love God, I will put no other gods before him, will I? I will not take his name in vain, will I? I, That will cover all the commands about uh, obeying God and loving him. And if I love other people, I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to kill them. I'm not going to covet their possessions. I'm not going to do anything to hurt other people if I will love my neighbor as myself. Now, that may seem like it's not very deep, but that is the most powerful thing that we could get to you today. If you want to fulfill and obey everything that God has for you, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And for the sake of time, I'm not going there, but Romans 13.10 tells us that love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Amen? So if you're like, man, I would just love to fulfill the requirements of God's law, hey, Love other people and love God, and it fulfills all the requirements of God's law. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get right into the message today. And I believe if you'll listen up, the Lord's trying to speak to you today, because if there's any important topic that we could talk about, it is the topic of love. That would be the main theme of the Bible, is love and forgiveness. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, he's telling you that he loves you, he wants you to love him, and we need to love and forgive other people. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that we've got a place to worship you together in today. And God, I ask that as we open up your word and study it, that you would speak directly to us. Lord, you know what we need to hear. And God, we're not here to just hear what we want to hear. We want to hear what we need to hear. You said, he that has an ear to hear, let him listen. And so, God, we've got ears today, and we are listening to what you're trying to tell us. And, Lord, we want to change. We do not want to stay the same. We want to get better for you. We love you, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? All right, let's go. Number one, we're saying this. We need to love God properly. Love God properly. And I add that word properly because I believe if you were to just ask anybody, just about anybody, you know, other than maybe a hardened atheist, but if you were to ask, hey, do you love God? Nearly anybody would say, oh, yeah, man, I love God. Even if they aren't really that tight, they'd be like, oh, yeah, me and the man upstairs, yeah, we got this thing going on. We got an agree. You know, people say stupid things like that. But listen to me. Nearly anybody is going to say they love God, but we're not talking about loving God according to your standard and definition of love. You know, whatever our millennial minds made up about what love is supposed to be. We're not talking about some fake, generic, made-up uh, definition that, that we came up with. I'm talking about loving God properly on His terms, His standards, what His definition of love is. And so agape love, which is what we're talking about out of the New Testament, is not love on your terms, your standards, whatever your definition of love is. Because I found out that we all have different definitions of things, right? I may say one thing, and you may be thinking something totally different. Have you ever asked your kids, parents, to you know, go, go complete a task, right? And so, like, hey, go clean the yard or whatever it is. And then you go and ask them, hey, is the job complete? And they'll be like, 
yes, the job is complete. And then you go and check on that job and find out that apparently you've got two different definitions of what complete means. Have you ever ran into something like that? Like, wait, you said it was complete. It is complete. No, that's not what complete means. Complete means complete. It's done. And so, so many times we're like, yeah, I love people as long as they're nice to me. Whoa, pump the brakes there, brother. That's not, that's not God's type of love. Or, yeah, I'll love you forever. As long as you do exactly what I say, how I say it, when I say it, and whenever I say it, then yes, I will love you to the moon and back, baby girl. That's not God's definition of love. You made that up in your own mind, and you think that everybody else goes by the same thing. Well, God doesn't go by the same thing, all right? And so uh, we have here Matthew 22. He tells us that the entire law and all the prophets hinge upon these two commands. Now, again, I, I, I just imagine how frustrated sometimes we get. Imagine being in God's shoes up there, right? And, and you know, he's like, I'm just asking you, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And people down here are like, hey, I got you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm all over that. I've got that. And then apparently some of our definition of love and uh, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is different than God's definition of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because when we really love somebody, what do we do? We give everything we can to be around them, to talk to them, to give them our time. And then some, you know, let's this, this, this get real. Modern day America, we're like, man, I love God with everything that I am, brother. Every, he is number one. Okay? So, what, you know, it's hard to tell that. You know, you come to church once a month to give your nod to God pay your God tax, and then head out the door, and then he, he doesn't hear from you again for the rest of the month. Man, what would happen if you loved your wife on those standards? That's a good silence. That was good. You guys did good there. All right? You, that's not a time to speak up. Now, what I'm saying is that's not really love. When you love someone, you make time for them every single day. You mean you, you talk to God every day? Yeah, I mean, it's not that weird. It's what we should be doing. You read his the Bible every day? Yeah, I mean, that's just like basic standard. That's not even a deep affection. That's just the basics right there. I'm talking about loving God properly, not loving him on your terms, but on his terms. Let's look all the way back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5. So what Jesus just said in Matthew 22 is a direct reference to uh, what Moses wrote way back in the, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And so we're going to look at, uh, this is what Jesus just quoted in the New Testament. But Deuteronomy 6, these verses are known to the Jewish nation as the Shema. And they, they, are, they are to pray these every morning and every night. This is at the high top of the list of obeying uh, the Jewish faith and even what Jesus and the disciples, uh, what they lived in, this was of key importance that they know this. And so when Jesus quotes this to all these people, they're like, okay, I, I'm following. I get you. But Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And so we need to know that. Listen right here, New Testament Christian. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. We've got no other gods. Do you have another God? I hope not. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
and you must love the Lord your God. How? With all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. That's the proper way to love God. Well, what in the world does all of that actually mean? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down to you, what it means for all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, connect the dots here in a minute, and I hope you can follow this. But what does it mean to love the Lord with all your heart? Well, in Scripture, uh, you know, we've studied this much that we know that when we see that word heart, that's referring to the human spirit, right? That, that's typically not talking about the blood pump in your chest, the organ, right? I mean, you can't love God with that any more than you can love him with your foot or your nose, right? So this is talking about loving the Lord your God with all of your spirit, with everything that's in you. And so how do we do that? Well, that's kind of the million-dollar question here. The first and foremost way that you can love God with all of your heart or all of your spirit is to invite him into your heart and, and to give your life to him. Revelation 3 says, Jesus himself said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me, let me in and I will come in and be with you. And, and so the biggest way, the number one way to love the Lord with your spirit or with your heart is to invite him in. And as we say in the Christian language, to give your heart to Jesus. That's the biggest thing. But after that, I'd say it's vitally important to make time to connect with Jesus every single day, every day. And we, again, we may think like that just sounds crazy. Well, do you remember back when you were dating? Remember? I, hey, you made time every day to get a hold of Bay, right? Come on, right? You made time, or boo, whatever you guys call them these days. Uh, but, but you made time, like, if you were desperate, I remember on my high school senior trip, we, we, our senior class, we went down to uh, whatever, that, was the river in Louisville. What's that called? The Ohio River? I don't know. Anyway, so I went down to Louisville and <laughs> Kentucky, and we stayed in these, uh, these cabins, and I had no cell phone, and the nearest phone was like two or three miles away in the little town we were staying at. But I was like, I was dating the love of my life. Listen, nothing was going to stop me from getting a hold of her. And so I would get up in the morning and I would walk to town with my quarters and I would make a phone call in the morning. Amen. Come on. Yeah. And it paid off. She's still here like 18 years later. I, I, it's incredible. But, but I, I mean, there was, uh, there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting a hold of the one that I love. And if we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will make a way to talk to Jesus every day. Well, people are watching. Hey, listen, talk to Jesus in front of people because they don't care if they cuss in front of you. I don't care if I talk about Jesus in front of them, right? I'm not worried about offending them. They don't care. They'll say any words in front of me and my kids and, and not even think twice about it. So I can talk about Jesus in front of them, and they can just get over it if they don't like it, right? And so if you love him with all of your heart, you will make a way to get a hold of Jesus every single day. And so it also tells us to love him with all of our heart, but then it says all of our soul. And so a lot of people would say, well, the heart and the soul, the spirit and the soul are the same thing. Well, the scripture, especially in the New Testament, differentiates. Hebrews 12.1 talks about the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. It makes a difference. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, uh, the apostle Paul said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so clearly, according to scripture, 
there is a, am I going too fast? Because some of y'all are giving me some, uh, my bad, my bad. All right. It's the 4th of July, and I've got a barbecue in about two hours, so you just, <laughs> all right, come on. Giving you the best I got today. Um, but it says to love him with all of our soul. And so through a thorough study of Scripture, we, we come to the conclusion that your soul could be broken down into your mind, will, and emotion. Now, there's no one single verse that uses that phrase, but again, through a thorough study of Scripture, that's the conclusion that we come to. And so when it says to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, first of all, we, you know, that, that would break down into loving God with our mind. Your mind, that refers to your intellect. And so I would say that studying God's Word, getting to know more about Him. Now, we don't come to God through our mind. We know that. We've we got to receive Him in our heart. But at the same time, I'm to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so if I'm going to love God with everything that I am, I want to learn as much as I can about Him. And, you know, someone, I say that, and people are like, well, I'm no good at studying or memorizing things. And yet that same person can quote me sports stats from 30 or 40 years ago. And then rattle off a bunch of movie lines. Remember in Dumb and Dumber when it says this? If you can remember Dumb and Dumber, Harry and Lloyd, certainly you could memorize a Bible verse. Uh, we could probably end right there and say we had church, I think. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's a, that's a good word right there for somebody. But I'm telling you that if we can memorize useless information, we could memorize some scripture and learn to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. And so our soul is our mind. What about our will? Your will is one of the most powerful things that you have. And one way that you can tell if you're really loving the Lord your God with everything is when you submit your will to his will. You had one thing in mind, and then the Bible says something different, and you have the opportunity right now to submit your will and love the Lord your God with all your soul because you saw it this way, the Bible says it this way, or the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this way, and when you choose, you know what, I know that this is what my, I feel like doing, but I'm going to lay that down and just do it God's way. You are loving the Lord your God with all of your soul because you laid down your will to his will. And then, of course, the third part of your soul is your emotions. Now, emotions are one of the trickiest and most unstable parts of who you are as a person. I mean, we realize that, that emotions can change at the drop of a hat. But when you begin to love the Lord and serve him, and do things his way even when you don't feel like it. Even when you're not in the mood, you still get down on your knees and pray. Even when you're not feeling it today, you still get your Bible out. Lord, I, I'm tired, but I just I got I to gotta give you some time. You still come to church. You still sing his praises. Even when you're not feeling it, you are crushing your emotions and bringing them in to submission to Jesus, and you are showing that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And that's a big step to your growth. Now, I would say this much, I just got to throw this in, that a great way, if, you know, if, if you, and we all do, right, sometimes our emotions are everywhere, and I've found that one great way to help stabilize your emotions as a Christian 
is to listen to worship music, to listen to godly music, because there are few things in this world that can play and have an effect on your emotions more than music. Don't believe me? Go listen to some screamo death metal after church, and after a while you're going to be like, man, I just want to blow something up. Yeah, whoa. You know, or uh, <laughs> whatever it is you listen to. I don't know. What do you kids listen to? So, whatever you know, they will change your mood to whatever the music is. In fact, in the Old Testament, when Saul was going crazy, David would just play the harp, and this says the tormenting spirit would just leave it. He would calm down. And so I'm just telling you that if sometimes emotions are an issue for you, do what you need to do, you know, within holy reason. But listening to worship music will calm your mind and your emotions and have an effect on you in an incredible way. If I'm feeling down, man, I just I, I put some praise music on and it brings me up really, really quick. So anyway, that's just food for thought for whoever's going to receive that. All right. So we're talking about loving the Lord your God. We've talked about with all of your heart, all of your soul. Now let's mention all of your strength. All of your strength. Now I believe that this is referring to your body, to your physical, to your strength. Now follow me. Here's where I'm connecting the dots. I'm trying to paint a picture, and I'm a really bad artist, so you've got to follow me on this, okay? So he tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength. That's three parts. And the human, according, write it down, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. All right, there's other references. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I said it slow that time. It says that uh, it talks about the man being spirit, soul, and body. And so the Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You are made up of three parts, your heart, your soul, and your body, your strength. And so when the scripture tells me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and strength, what's it saying? To love God with everything that you are, with every part of who you are. That's how you love the Lord your God properly. And so we need to love God even with our body. That's not something we talk about very much, loving God with your body. How do you love God with your body? Well, you know, one thing is we crucify the flesh. We, we, we make our body be disciplined to do right things. Uh, we, we, don't, we honor God with our body. We don't want to abuse it with wrong substances. That's not honoring God. Uh, you don't want to reveal it in ways that are not holy. So, hey, it's summertime. Boys and girls, remember this. Modest is hottest. Amen? <laughs> yeah? You like that? Some of you don't like that. Okay, that's fine. Uh, either way. But I'm just saying, it's not loving God with your body to, uh, you know, show things that maybe only your husband or wife should see. Amen. Thank you. There's no PM service tonight, so praise God. Just remember that. I'm, you don't have to worry about me anymore today. But how about loving God with our body? Sometimes we sacrifice things physically. Maybe like, you know what, I could go eat another round of nachos, but praise God. Didn't see that one coming. I didn't, honestly, that caught me off guard. But, you know, we can say no sometimes to extra food. It's like, you know what? Hey, I'm just going to sacrifice that. Or maybe I'm going to sacrifice a little sleep to get up early to be with Jesus or stay up late to be with Jesus. But when we love God, even with our body, we are properly beginning to love God with every part that we are. And so 
There's two points to today's message. Number one, love God properly. That's with everything that you are. And number two, love people properly. Love people properly. Now, this can be the hardest thing in the world. Can I get an amen today? Yeah. I mean, if you've run into some of the people that I have lately, you'll be like, wow. I mean, that is a, that's a challenge. That's a task. Now, while loving God can be a sacrifice and a challenge, because it is, because I want to love him the right way, not my own way. I want to love him his way. So loving God is a sacrifice and a challenge. At least he's lovable. At least he deserves my love, right? But what about people that aren't so lovely? Have you met any of those? You met some people that, I mean, they're not. Well, take my brothers, for instance. I've got two right <laughs> So, uh, so no, but, but really, not everybody we come across is lovely and lovable and deserving of our love. But the scripture still tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. It is the second and equally important commandment to loving the Lord your God. And so I want to look for just a few final minutes here today at some more words from Jesus to get us started on what it means to agape love other humans. So let's go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, amen. Are you glad you came on the 4th of July weekend? Yeah. You ever wonder why fire doesn't even get to rest on the 4th of July? Because fire works. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if this is not the weirdest church you've ever been to, you're, I don't know where else you've been, but this, this, it's getting weird around here. Amen. You know, that's what I tell people. We're, yeah, we're weird, but we're really happy, you know. And we're just doing our thing over here, you know, out on Soap Mine Road. Like, what's going on out there? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 38. Matthew 5 and verse 38. Now, Jesus is getting ready to rock the socks of the disciples and the people listening because he's getting ready to tell them something that is earth-shaking, mind-blowing, new teaching to them. They had never heard anything like this. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38, Jesus says, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, that was the old covenant law under Moses, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. According to the law, if you poke my eye, I'm allowed to poke your eye. You knock one of my teeth out, it's, it's only fair that I get to knock one of your teeth out just to keep everything even. That's justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I get to pay you back no greater than, but no less than the wrong that you did to me. That was the law by which we lived by. But Jesus says in verse 39, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Turn the other cheek. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give him your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, again, we've probably heard these verses our whole life. Yeah, yeah, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give them your shirt too. I get that. But to Peter and the boys, this was the first time they had heard something like this. They're like, what did you just say? You mean somebody does wrong to me and I don't get to do wrong back to them? Somebody 
does something to me and I don't, I don't get to seek revenge and pay them back? Turn the other cheek. Are you kidding me? And we've heard this, and this is the Christian way, but for what these guys heard, this went against everything they had ever been taught, and this goes against every instinct that we have as human beings. And so if you want to love God properly, we're going to have to love people the way that he says to love people. And I was praying this morning, and I just felt the Lord speak this to me. Even if you're really struggling with someone, Love and forgive them out of your love for God. If for no other reason, do it because he's asking you to. And if you're mad at someone, you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't stand them. I can't love and forgive them based on who they are. Well, how about if we would submit our will and our mind and our emotions to the Lord and say, you know what? I am by the grace of God going to love and forgive them if for no other reason because I love God so much, and he's asking me to do this, if for no other reason, I will bury the hatchet, I will lay the sword down, I will just find a way to seek healing and get through it, and it's not because they're so awesome, it's because I love God enough, and he's asking me to do this, so I'm going to do it for him. Maybe that helps somebody, but Jesus says, it's always been this way, you know the law, but I'm giving you a new law, and that's to love other people. Now, of course, as Christians and believers, we, we know and we believe in defending yourself and protecting yourself. You know, uh, we're not saying to let someone sit there and beat your brains out and not ever do anything about it. But there is a difference between defending yourself and plotting revenge. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way we do it. I know we always did it that way. You ever come into work and they're like, hey, guys, change your plans. I know we've always done it this way, but actually we're going to do it this way now. And you're all like, but we always did it that way. We don't like change. Sometimes, yeah, we don't like change. But Jesus just came in and said, hey, I know it was always the rule, but we've got a whole new way of doing things now. We've got a whole new system to live by. And I know this much, that even if I don't like it, even if I don't agree with it, God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And it always turns out better when I do things his way. And so does that mean that there's no place for revenge? Well, there is a place for revenge, but it's not in my hands. Let me show you something here. Hold your spot because we're coming back. Look at Romans 12 and verse 19. Romans 12 and verse 19. And so even though in the New Testament we... We have to love. We have to forgive. Even if it's really, really hard, there's still a place for vengeance and payback. But here's the thing. Uh, it's just not my responsibility anymore. I give it to God. And God takes care of it. Romans 12, verse 19 in the New Living Translation. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say... I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, I am telling you that their God is rich in love, slow to anger. His mercies are new every morning. But if somebody is going to mess around, and I, I've preached this like 20 times lately, so you've heard this, but I'm going to say it again. If somebody is messing around with one of his kids, they can only get away with it for so long, then they will have to answer to God. But I leave vengeance, I leave revenge to the hands of God. Because when I take it out of his hands and say, you know what, I'll, I'll, no, God, I got this. 
I can handle this better than you can. I'll get them back in my own way. I've taken it out of God's hands, and, and, and then it's on me. And whatever happens, happens. I've got no guarantees of success. I've got no guarantees of victory at that point because I'm not trusting in the Lord with all of my soul. I'm trusting in my own ability, and I'm saying, God, I can handle this better than you anyway. Let me do it. And so what did, the, what did he tell us? No, leave vengeance, leave revenge to the Lord. And if someone is trying to mess with you and, and, and screw your life over, listen, he will pay them back. And I'm not sitting there on the sidelines saying, go get him, God, go get him, nail him. No, no, no. I'm like, because when someone falls into the hands of God in a bad way, that's a scary thing. And I, I'm not wishing that upon anybody, but I do know this much, that there does come a day when you've got to answer to God for how you've treated other people. And if somebody has been legitimately doing you wrong, God will take care of it. But I've got to leave it in his hands. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Amen? We having a good time? Wow, that got heavy for a minute there. My gosh. Whoa. <laughs> Jeez. Matthew 5. And we're going to look here, and I'm going to read the rest of this in the New King James because it sets it up beautifully for us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45. And we're talking about loving God properly, according to his definition, and loving people properly, which is according also to God's definition of love. So Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And that makes sense, right? Hey, uh, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And so what we have here is a perfect formula for how to treat your enemies. Who would today like to learn how to treat your enemies? Yeah, I, I learned this one. And, uh, and I can tell you that it works. And I love it when Scripture just beautifully gives us the answers. It's all right there. So there's four things right here, I believe this is on your outline, that tells you how to treat an enemy. And so Jesus, first of all, said, love, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And so, again, look it up in your concordance if you want to. The actual word this is written in is agape. Jesus says, unconditionally love your enemies. Don't base your treatment of them upon their treatment of you. Now, yeah, that's really, really hard. But this Christian life, it can be challenging. And that's why Jesus said, hey, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrows the way. There's not a lot of people that want to do this. But I want to love God, and I want to love people the way that he says. So he says, number one, love. And the next thing is, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. And the word bless is this Greek word, eulogio. And what does this word mean? It's crazy. This word eulogio means speak well of. What did Jesus just say? He says, I want you to speak well about people who speak evil about you. What just happened? What? So someone's like, man, you are ugly. You're beautiful. 
Now, don't lie if they're ugly. No, don't say that, but just say something nice back, all right? You don't want to don't don't lie. But at the same time, you know, when someone curses you, what do you do? Do you try to think of an even worse curse word? No. You're like, you know what? Hey, I love you, man. It's good. Hey, whatever. You speak well of those who speak evil of you. What's the next thing? Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. If you really want to get under somebody's skin, do something nice for someone who's been mean to you. Go get them a gift card. Go, you know, buy them some pizza. Go, <laughs> you know, my neighbor, they, you know, great pizza. I got a great place, right? And, uh, I mean, buy them. Do, do something nice to somebody that's been mean to you. In fact, we were just in Romans 12, but verse 20 goes on to say that when we're nice to someone that's been mean to us, it heaps burning coals of shame upon their head. What better way to get back at somebody than to heap burning coals on their head? You never thought of that, did you? And so one of the best ways to really love the way that God says to is to do good to those who hate you. And so, I, I mean, you may think that, man, that, I would, that's stupid. I would never do that. Well, how's your way been working out for you, huh? It's really fixing things, isn't it? Wow, you're just hitting home runs every day, aren't you? No. But what if we did actually do things the way that Jesus is saying to do them? Do good to those who hate you. And the last thing he said is pray. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, this is probably the most beautiful one of all. When you take time to pray for someone who's been your enemy, and I have proven this out in my life, God will start to change your heart. When you're praying for somebody that has been just wicked to you, somebody that you would say, they're my enemy. When you just take the time to start praying for them, it's incredible. God will start working on your heart. And after a while, you're like, oh, man, I don't hate them. I feel bad for them. Wow. How, how, how sad. How, how tormented they must be. How, how, how awful that their heart is that calloused and hard and, 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 and tore up that they would have that level of hate. When you begin to pray for someone, that has been awful to you, God will start changing you. And you're like, no, I wanted them to change. What if God started changing you just a little bit more? Can you imagine that? If he started changing you and, and, and you let him do a work in your life. And when you pray for someone that's been wicked to you, your heart begins to melt with compassion. Like, oh, Lord, God, please, please get a hold of them. Please save them. Please change them. Turn them around, and I've seen that prove true in my life time and time again. And so to kind of close things out here is this. And and you can memorize this. It's so easy. These four steps. Love, bless, do good, pray. Someone's mean to you, what do you do? Love, bless, do good, pray. And out of all of this, my highest goal and desire is to love God the way that he deserves. I could never pay him back. I know that much. There's no way I can pay him back. But I can obey his word. In fact, Jesus put it this way. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I can love people simply because I love God so much and I want to do my best for him. Amen. Can we go ahead and stand up together today? Praise God. Who believes that the Lord is good? That his mercy endures forever. God could turn some 
terrible situations around in our life, if we would just get a hold of these two commands. You don't even have to memorize ten, even though I, I respect and love and obey the ten commandments the best I can, right? But if I could just focus on two, loving God with every part of me and loving my neighbor as myself, I would be living in obedience to God and fulfilling all of the law. Well, what we're going to do now as we begin to close things out is we're going to take communion together today. And so I encourage you that as we take communion, 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that it's a time to examine ourselves. And really, the King James says to judge yourself. And you're like, well, I don't believe in judgment. Well, the Bible tells you to have nothing else to judge yourself. And look at your own heart and say, God, is there, do I need to change something? And after the word that we've received today, I would especially ask the Lord, is there anything I'm holding on to in my heart that is unpleasing to you? Is there anything in my heart? Do I have hatred? Do I have bitterness and unforgiveness? And I realize that it's sometimes a little more complicated than just saying, I forgive you. Yeah, it can be a process. But as we take communion today, why don't you at least begin the process and say, God, help me. I know I can't do this on my own. Just, But if you could help me to, to get things rolling here, he'll do it and he'll come in and work with you. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go ahead as we always do and each row come up, get the elements. You can make your way to your spots. Remain standing when you get to your seat. And I remind you that you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. You just need to be a member of the body of Christ. You need to be a born-again Christian to take communion with us. Amen. So let's go ahead and we'll dismiss every row. Come up and get the elements. Then you can make your way back to your seats.
Amen. All right. Everybody's got the elements there. Well, as we're getting ready to receive communion here, I just I want to encourage us that, man, Jesus, he knows what it's like to uh, be wronged. He knows what it's like uh, to have to deal with really difficult people. And a chapter that I love is Hebrews chapter 2, and it tells us exactly why Jesus came to the earth and died. He had to become a human so he could die. If he was, you know, a spirit in heaven, spirits don't die. Jesus had to have a body to even experience death for us. And so he chose humbly to come into this earth, be born to the Virgin Mary, and grow up and, and live in this life. But one of the great things about Jesus actually becoming one of us so he could save us is Hebrews 2, verse 18, it says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested. And so if you're like, man, I, I, I want to forgive, I want to overcome this, I want to get through that, whatever it is that you're dealing with today, just know this, Jesus had to deal with it too. Jesus had to deal with some really bad people in his life. Jesus had to deal with the same sufferings and temptations that we do. The, the book of Hebrews chapter 8, I believe, also tells us that this high priest of ours endured the same temptations that we do, yet he was without sin. And so as we're taking a few minutes here as, to judge ourselves and examine our own lives, um, I'm encouraging you that if you need some help, you've got the right guy to talk to. You've got Jesus because he's been there. And he overcame it, amen. And he will help you. He will give you the strength, all right? So let's take a minute this morning before we receive the elements to examine our lives. Talk to God. Do business with him. Whatever you need to say, talk to him now. It's between you and him, amen. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. So Jesus, we take this bread today that represents your body. And we know that it was broken so we could have peace and healing. And we thank you for it, Jesus. We do this to remember you.
And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. So, Jesus, we take this juice today and we realize that this represents your blood. And this paid the price for our sins. This brought us our forgiveness. And we get to go to heaven because of you. We do this to remember you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Josh, you want to lead us in what can wash away my sins? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain. ask my prayer team uh, to come on up here today. If you're here and, and you need prayer for something, we want to agree with you and release our faith uh, for whatever it is you need. If it's healing, if it's restoration in your marriage or your family, if it's finances, whatever it is, we want to pray with you today. But the biggest thing of all is this, is that if you're here and you've never actually received Jesus as your Savior, or or maybe you're here and you did that before, but you kind of walked away. We know that God would never walk away from us, but let's get real. Sometimes we've walked away from Him. And so He's not here to judge you today and say, you know, I knew it, I'm here to get you. No, He's saying, come on back, let's let's fix this thing. And so if you're here and, and you need to restore that relationship with Jesus, I invite you to come up to any one of us and let us pray with you. We want to help get you on the, on the right track there. And you're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. Hey, listen, Jesus said, if you would acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. There's got to be a point when we were bold enough and big enough to just lay down our pride and say, I need Jesus. And I, you know, I don't care who knows it. I need him. And, and, and that's, that's just it. And so whatever it is you need prayer for today, we'd love to pray for you. Come on up, especially if you need to make things right with God, we want to pray with you. Amen. Josh, go ahead and lead us in worship for just a minute here as we uh, close things out. I can't forget. I still remember the place you found me 
And I surrender when your grace covered my shame and saw my need. You gave me hope, hope and a future. My heart is yours Now and forever I am loved Only because You first loved me And I love you Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. sacrifice is overwhelming suffered and died because you love me now I'm alive only through Christ who first loved me and I Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. And I love you. Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. Your sacrifice is overwhelming. Suffered and died Because you love me And now I'm alive Only through Christ Who first loved me And I love you Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. 
Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. 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 And I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you because you first loved me. Praise the Lord. We'll be reverent. We've still got some ministry going on here, but uh, praise the Lord. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. I pray that you've received from God's word. And what are we going to focus on? Loving God properly, according to his standard, right? And loving our neighbor as ourselves, loving people the way that the Lord said to love them. Amen. All right. Well, remember that there's no service tonight, so you can be with family and friends and, and celebrate America and, uh, and our freedoms. And that's a good and right thing to do. We'll be here Wednesday. So come on back. We're going to have a good time then. And I encourage you to stay connected this summer. Don't, you know, we may take vacations, but we stay connected to Jesus the whole time. Amen. All right. Let's close out in prayer. Then we will speak some words of faith over Barstow. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word today. And Lord, we know that we want to love you with every part of who we are, our heart, our soul, our strength, our, our, our spirit, our soul, and our body. And I thank you, Lord, that you can help us to do that. And Lord, I also pray that we would rely on you to be able to love our neighbor as ourself, to forgive those who have wronged us, and to show the love of God to everybody around us. Lord, use us this week to be the light of the world to this entire high desert. Lord, everywhere we are, I thank you, Jesus, that we are the light of the world and you're using us to show people your glory. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? All right, let's close out by speaking some words of faith over Barstow today. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. 
Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We will see you Wednesday.